spoiler alert. Here is this week's show show with Sweets and Slaney. How are you? How are things? How are you doing? We're, we're having Wi-Fi problems here in uh, in Studio Colin, and so I want to apologize if there are any uh, glitches on the other end. Um, and also, I want to apologize for what is now a pretty sour mood on my part. Out here in Chosho land, we're just, we're getting through it. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm grace, uh, great, uh, graceful, grateful for your, uh, for your patience, for your Zen, because it, uh, it outmatches mine for sure. Oh, no problem. No, if, if, if I'm the one dealing with the issue, that's always more frustrating too. So, um, I will say, uh, your, your, uh, Google meet, which we we've, we've resorted to here, your Google meet avatar is a photo of you at NSCC wearing like a platypus shirt and like standing <laughs> up and smiling into a mic. And it's great. I don't even remember selecting that avatar. I just know that like, that was the time when I used Gmail a lot. And at some point yeah. it just like slipped in there as the face of my Gmail account. And geez, nice. I should probably consider replacing that because sometimes I do use my Gmail for like important things yeah <laughs> it's a really it's a really dumpy picture of me and it's about 11 years old no less well that's what what shocked me the most the fact that like you would ever not ever choose it but the fact that you would choose it right now is, uh, <laughs> is harmless well and also like it's a real cliche if you take that radio program to get a good selfie of you in the booth it's really quite right. novel to get that first selfie and i think that's probably what that is nice um other than uh, other than like uh, today, I've just been like trapped inside. You you mentioned being in like a sour mood this week, and oh. I, I feel like I've been in kind of like a like a shack wacky mood. Okay, I'm going to be so happy to escape. But um, like tonight, Jen looked at me because I was like making all these dumb jokes, and Jen looked at me and was like, "You need to like go outside." Yeah, you think you were like starting to get a little loopy? Yeah, just like like laughing at myself and like singing around the kitchen and stuff that's like oh my god it, it sounds was... like you were you were having the most enjoyable version of of insanity though like at least you were happy yeah i'm a, I'm a happy idiot for sure that's good i i can't i can't boast the same i have found myself in like a real like desperate mode the last few days and mostly just as like the result of a bunch of frustrations culminating and i mean like mm -hmm global and more local frustrations but like every time i open the internet i just find myself inundated with more negativity even than usual whether it's like having to stare down the the battle between spotify and neil young or damon albarn yeah. and the swifties or truckers at the borders or whether or not we have uh groceries and where you stand on that side of the argument and the electric company is gonna bump our uh bills by 10 percent, and gas is going up to a buck 50 for the first time ever and it just feels like we're can i drop a big word can i call it a little orwellian i kind of feel like this is the bluest of mondays we've ever had sure is is I was going to say, is today Blue Monday? And it's Thursday, January 27th. So I'm sure that's not true. But yeah, uh, you are, you're right. I, I know what you mean. It's 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 easy to go down a, a dark rabbit hole anytime you open the internet. Yeah, it feels that way. And, and like, and that's why I list things that are seemingly benign with things that are like seemingly significant because it's all just getting blended into one mm -hmm. big messy tribalistic anger fight on 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 twitter or whatever is your choice social media and i'm finding it 
quite tiring. And I too am, I guess, although I'm going to an office, a little shack wacky because I haven't seen a friend since before Christmas. And it's so, it's that kind of cold where your back hurts. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty brisk out there. That's mm-hmm. been one thing that I'm, uh, I'm like happy that I, I really haven't had to like go out and scrape my window, but I also kind of like long for that. <laughs> or maybe, maybe I should just be doing it. The good old blue collar days of, of pulling out the hatchet and scraping that ice off the window. Yeah. Or maybe I'll wake up early tomorrow and like hit up Oat Hill and go for like a skate on the lake. How nice would that be? Think about that. I, I've been noticing more skaters on lakes this year than I have in the last number of years, I guess just because we've had consistent cold weather, but yeah. you know, it gives me the chills, right? Like there's nothing I find more spine tingling than the idea of being on open water when it's, it when claims it's to be frozen. So you wouldn't walk across the lake? Absolutely not. No, no. I, 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 I'm telling you, I wouldn't be able to. It's not like I'm, I, I have a hissy fit about it and I'd cry the whole way. I, yeah. I wouldn't be able to move. It, it, I can't I can't get over the idea that people are like willing to take their friggin Jeeps out there and do donuts. Oh, yeah, that's, that's something else. Yeah, that takes a level of comfort that uh, I don't know at what point you, you gauge that like it's clearly safe to bring a, a, a 2000 pound yeah. uh, animal out there, but people do it. I'd be paralyzed by the intrusive thought of not getting cold and wet it's it's like the riptide sucking you under you see this in movies sometimes even in cartoons like when the damsel goes under but she tries to come back up and she can't find the hole and you can just see the terror in her eyes through the glassy ice as she feels around and i I think i can't think of a a more horrifying way to die (laughs) and so and so that's what i constantly think of whenever i see people out having a a nice time on the lake my hope is always that the hole would be pretty easy to find. Yeah, you'd hope so. And I guess like if it's if it's light out, it would be. But some sons of bitches go out there in the middle of the night. Oh my god! Imagine. <laughs> I know. Yeah, that's that's a level of of comfort that I don't think I have. Where it was like, if it was like middle of the night, walking home from somewhere and being like, oh, I could walk across the lake and it'd be so quick. And mm-hmm. people were skating on it all day, and it's even colder now than it was all day. I still would be like, I don't think I'm gonna walk across the lake. Even if you fell and just like hit your head, you might be just knocked out. Right. No one necessarily see it. Well, and then like, there's. A missing persons report filed and like we're all worried because Slaney went missing and we know how these things usually turn up but we have to wait for a mild day for your body to appear and like <laughs> well yeah we're getting into it I'm in a state of mind tonight that's all I'm trying to say <laughs> I hear you I hear you what are you what are you watching oh uh, a specific thing I wanted to ask you about about watching can you give me some Cole's notes on what the hell happened in football on Sunday night because Oh man. You just look at the internet and I'm like, okay, something very special seems to have happened in football. Every game this weekend, like there's never, I've never experienced a better weekend of football games. Every three of the four games were won in the last second by a winning field goal. And the final game, which should have, okay. And, and the, the third of the four games there, was Tom Brady getting a touchdown in the last possible minute 
and seeming like he had the comeback. I don't, I don't, I can't even say a comeback of a lifetime because he's already had those, but the comeback that was going to keep them going through the playoffs. But then the, the LA Rams came out with like 30 seconds to spare and managed to get a ball far enough down the field to kick the winning field goal. So Tom Brady's out. Um, then, uh, the Bills played the the Chiefs. So like Patrick Mahomes, he's won a Super Bowl before. And he's kind of like the biggest, I guess he's like one of the biggest NFL stars. He's kind of like the future slash like present of the NFL um, in terms of just overall talent. And, and it was him against the Bills and the Bills were just like going, it was a back and forth game. It was touchdown for touchdown the entire game. And the game it's with 13 seconds the chiefs had enough time they only had 13 seconds yeah so like that's that's time for like two plays and they managed to get the ball to the field goal line to tie the game so it went into overtime wow then they won the coin flip and I think it was like two plays later, marched down the field to score a touchdown. It was just like all of the dramatics that you hope for when you watch a sport happened this past weekend. Yeah, so it was really great TV. And what it sounds to me like is exactly what you spend years of your life as a sports fan waiting for. Like these these are the weekends when it pays off to be a viewer of sports. Totally, man. Like weekends in January, if you're a football fan, are like, usually the absolute best and and that weekend especially like first round of the playoffs or like first you know past the wild card round um man it was it was something to behold what's the deal with aaron Rodgers right now and i don't want to talk about his his beliefs except for that he's he seems to be circulating again with like more shittiness he said stuff about biden like where does he stand culturally within the nfl like are is green bay still in it like does it matter that he's this polarizing figure now so that's the thing he he went like 15 and 2 like like there were two games that he was suspended for or no it was 15 and 3 i think so that the two games that he was suspended for i think they lost and then every other game like he lit it up like he's probably going to be the mvp this year like the uh, he's the odds on mvp for this year went to the playoffs they had the bye so that means they didn't have to play the first first game they had home field advantage they played san francisco it was like a super cold game the odds were in their favor and they absolutely could not get points on the board and they should have won the game but there was a last minute blocked punt which never happens and it was returned for a touchdown it was like the the craziest thing to ever see in a in a football game it just never happens uh and then the the niners ended up getting the last second field goal so they ended up winning the game and rogers is no longer in the conversation it's back to is rogers gonna stay in green bay but he's probably not gonna be the mvp anymore no, he probably is going to be the MVP because that voting happens before the playoffs even start. Okay, so th- that was my next question. It is a voting-based thing. It's not just like the valedictorian and they pick it based on stats. Because it seems to me if there's a political element to it, they would be wise not to give him that accolade just because he's so nuclear right now. 
Well, and that's that's part of the reason he was speaking out a lot. Like he's he's had a lot of shit to say because people said that they're not going to vote for him just uh, because of his like views on the vaccine. And he was like, that's stupid because like I was the best player this year. Well, yes and no. Maybe statistically you performed the best, but were you the most valuable player to the league? Like was your sportsmanship valuable? Yeah, in terms of sport, well, there is another like there actually is a sportsmanship award, so he certainly would not be nominated <laughs> yeah, for the Walter Payton Award. But, but, um, but in terms of of what he did, I mean, that's the that's the weird thing. Like all of his teammates are like, Aaron's doing awesome. Like, yeah, he's a great he's a great captain. He's like, we have no complaints. Like you hear it in the media, but otherwise there's no other like complaints about it. But like even Green Bay fans now are like, I can't even stand the guy anymore. I don't even want to like have to, I don't want all the news stories around him. Like just get us a new quarterback kind of thing. Well, yeah, no matter where you stand, you probably enjoy football so that you don't have to hear about the vaccine all the time. You know, like we, I don't want these two worlds colliding. Why is this polluting my enjoyment of something? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's just so so weird. Like a year ago, no one knew what Rogers' stance on anything was, and now you're like, "Ooh, gross." Well, he was coming after the Jeopardy job, which he didn't realistically stand a chance of getting. But like, that's a culture of such intellectualism, <laughs> and it yeah. it seems so far removed from this anti-vaxer, like kind of tr- Trumpy quality that he's he's shown us now. Yeah, he would he would probably say it's like, you know, free thinking or whatever. Right. But uh, yeah, it's kind of gross. I watched the movie Pig, which I want to talk about with you, although I'm reluctant to talk about it at length on the podcast because it's hard to discuss it without spoiling it. It kind of all hinges yeah. around like where we go with the plot. Mm-hmm. But you had said last week that it was maybe the most enjoyable you found a movie to be in the last year. And for the most part, I really get it. Like I do have... Or at least I had some issues with, and I've uh, upon a little bit more reflection, I think I understand why the plot follows the direction that it does. Yeah. For the most part, 90% of the time, I was just having a terrific time watching this movie. Um, and I totally got what you were talking about. And what a fun exercise in slowly revealing information because you start out knowing nothing about this guy and they so gracefully and efficiently give you just enough to stay invested um and also beautifully shot like yeah you really care about him you care about uh amir the other like lead in the movie yeah um just a good movie and like i said i'm i'm thrilled for the the cajusance and Amir, the the great thing about him is you really like he does a good job of making you kind of do a turn on his character. Yes. Yep. Like that's that's a little more rare, and and you don't expect that to happen. It's not like you know he meets a woman in the first scene who's clearly like the 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 love interest, but like she's she wants nothing to do with. It, it wasn't like that where you're like, oh, she's gonna come around. It was like, it kind of caught you by surprise. Well, and it's it's just like a stylistic uh, distinction between your main character. And so they very early on anchor you in this shack in the woods with scrouty looking Nick Cage. And so even though that's not the life that you want in the real world, you very quickly 
uh, align yourself with his lifestyle because he's clearly the hero. And so you're like, okay, well, as long as I'm watching this movie, I too am somebody who lives in a shack in the woods and has no friends and has no social skills and loves my pig. And so when the complete opposite of that shows up and he's got an ugly Gucci belt buckle and a yellow sports car and he like he cares so much about being cool and what people think he's so the opposite of uh, of Nick Cage, you think for sure he's the antagonist and he turns out not to be at all. And in fact, they that's the, the love story is not so much about cage and the pig the love story is about him finding a real friend a human friend that he actually like can see yeah exactly and the you know the um the terrifying uh uh, sort of idea of losing a friend yeah or or not a friend or your mom or your wife or right. yeah or, exactly or your dream like if you think about that scene where the where they go to the fancy restaurant and he's talking to the chef and the chef wanted to be a pub chef but now he works in this like too cool for school portland place like that's that's for sure the lesson to take away from that scene like that guy's not getting his dream back it's over right right yeah he's not happy yeah and if and if nick cage is running for any awards he's going to win them based on that scene that scene yeah. was incredible. And by the way, the other actor in that scene, unsettling, but really great. Totally. Yeah. I, I kind of want to rewatch it because I only watched it the one time, but I did really like it. We've been watching. We watched about half of uh, the the sexy lives of sexy, sexy babies or whatever it's called. <laughs> so you love it? No, <laughs> no, dude. This is my hottest take. And I'm not super comfortable with it being on the record because I don't want it to be taken out of context. But I don't think Mindy Kaling is a good writer at all. I think Whoa. I really don't. And I know that's weird. I, I I think that her stuff is incredibly watchable. And yeah. I don't think that characters need to talk like people. But for some reason, her characters not talking like people drives me through the roof. And I'm watching it in spite of that. So, so did you get to the scene yet with the, I, I jerked, I jerked seven guys off? That's in the first episode. That was in the first. I thought that was like that was the point where everything that whole whole scene uh, made me. It changed my mind about the show. It's that I wasn't, it's it wasn't on board. That character in particular, who I kind of just can't stomach. Yeah, I can see that she and it. She probably took me the most time to come around on. In fairness, like even though I I, I found that scene really funny, mm-hmm. I thought that by the end of the by the end of the season i i liked where where it went i just find they lack a whole lot of subtlety but then again here i am like watching them one after another and so like i get what's delicious about it that might be an, a strong word but like i get what's consumable about it i just mm-hmm. don't think that it's like i don't i don't think that it's fresh i don't think that it's grounded and i think that if you're going to like make an effort to create a show about Gen Z, which she's now done twice, you need to like dial back the Jessica Biel references. Like her, the pop culture references are completely out of control and they're not relevant at all to the characters. So do you, do you find it just not funny? No, I find it sometimes funny. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's what it comes down to when it's a comedy show for me, I tend to leave a little bit more space for, Is it accomplishing what it probably sets out to do, which is beyond tell a story, which I guess, I guess 
that should be the main goal. But really, if I'm if I'm laughing throughout the show, this is why I can watch MacGruber. If it if a show yeah. makes me laugh, then I'm like, we're good. I guess I just recognize that MacGruber knows what it is. Like it recognizes mm-hmm. the rules of its own universe. And sometimes I think these Mindy shows don't. This sounds snobby, but they don't almost don't know their place. Like I think Never Have I Ever works because of Davy. I think that singular one like lead character. The yeah. actress is so good. Like she is, she is so she's such a strong lead, and I think the character's written pretty well. But her friends are impossible. I can't, I can't deal with her friends. And this show is kind of just made up of a bunch of Davy's friends. Yeah, they're cartoons. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I kind of feel like I almost feel. First of all, do you know that that um, you know that kind of like main girl main like nerdy girl yeah from do you know that that's timothy chalamet's sister wow no yeah isn't that crazy wow that changes everything doesn't that (laughs) doesn't that kind of like i i recognized it in the the credits of the final scene of the final or the credits of the final show her brother is her brother's like the prince of the generation like that's That's so weird. That really recontextualizes, not necessarily in a better way, like all of the pop culture references. Yeah, a little bit. Wow. Yeah, she was also in King of Staten Island, apparently. I can't really recall who she was in it, but I'm assuming one of the like tattoo crew. Yeah, one of the Staten Island gals. (laughs) Yeah. Interesting. Anyway, we'll keep watching it. I have all but one more episode of The Newsroom in my rewatch which I have okay. I have been delighted to learn is a much better show than people give it credit for in hindsight, which won't surprise you to hear me say that. It's an imperfect show, but it's very good. Yeah. Uh, do you remember how, how it ends? Because I just remember like, I don't know if I followed through on the whole season or just watched this like final episode. Yeah, I think I remember how it ends. Although the second last episode, which I just watched last night, has a lot in it that like is the big reveals where like Sam Waterston dies of a heart attack, which feels yeah. really shitty. Although it's, it's well set up. He's been drinking in every scene for three seasons. It just sucks because he dies kind of not himself. He dies of a heart attack in a state of like trying to suppress like all of his instincts. Um, and then like, there's all this sadness, but like wills in jail, which seems like overkill, but <laughs> yeah. there's this great twist where he and his cellmate are like, butting heads the entire episode and then you realize in the end he was actually in there alone and his cellmate was his dad it's a it's a really well executed twist Uh, what's the episode where (laughs) where they're on a plane and the guy i I like heard this recapped on a podcast within the last year and it made me laugh so hard he's like It, it ends up being like a big like 9-11 callback. Um, I think you're talking about when they got Bin Laden. And yes. like, like <laughs> Olivia Munn and um, David Harbour, who's in the show a lot more than I remember, by the way. And then the other guy, I don't know the actor's name, but he's like one of the main characters of the show. They all know that we got Bin Laden, but it's not, it's like embargoed or whatever. And so he's having a fight with the flight attendant and they're sitting on the tarmac and they can't go anywhere. It's like, it's... It would never happen like this. And you can't behave like this around airport security either. 
Oh my God. No. And and then he, he ends up being like, it's my, my honor to tell you we got Bin Laden. Or right. something. Yeah, that's right. Cause the, it turns out the pilot is like a vet or something. And he's like, I, I want to be the first person to tell you that tonight you're a team got Bin Laden for you. I think he says like killed, yeah. hunted down and killed Osama Bin Laden for you. <laughs> sure. And sure. It was a little bit over the top sometimes, but it's incredibly like. And also, fuck you, stewardess. Like, go get me some chips or something. <laughs> With like, that character in particular, they really make him a heel in season one. And then season yeah. two, he's Josh Lyman. Like, completely turn him into this guy who just, like, says the wrong thing sometimes, but he's oh so charming. And whatever. Yeah. These are Sorkin tropes, and you know that I'm a sucker for them. It's a good yeah. show. Yeah. I uh, I watched the new Aziz special. Yeah, what did you think? I that's what came out. We were trying to think what came out recently, and it must have been that. And I haven't watched it. Well, we shouldn't call it a special because, for one thing, it's a half an hour long, and also it's just in the cellar. Like, right. and I realize that's like part of the charm, but there's like not a lot of like cinematography to this. He's just got like a couple of good bits about anti-vaxxers or about like having a flip phone now, and like it's it's pretty good, but it's. He has this kind of like, he had this with his last special too, which was post the thing. He mm. has this like soft tone of voice and cadence now. And it's almost like he's yeah. tried to like rework his his stage presence so that he seems more sincere. And I don't right. know if I, I don't know if I, it, the issue is that I don't buy it or if it's that I do buy it and I just don't like it. The jokes yeah. are still funny and I don't want to root against disease, but I didn't really care about this as an installment of his. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if it like he was like, I need to maybe this like yelling is making me uh, come off as maybe more aggressive than the current climate uh, will bear. Yeah, the thing. Maybe I think it was good as a piece of writing, and it's usually very clear that his bits are like written to the word, and yeah. I have I have respect for that. I. I don't know. I don't know what the seller's like. I, I Obviously, they get polished people to go up. But like, I can't I can't tell whether or not they just happened to film it and it was good enough to put on Netflix. Right. Or if the idea was like, we're going to pretend that we just happened to film it and it was good enough to put on Netflix. And actually, I've been working all year on this. I have no idea. And I don't mm -hmm. care either. But I haven't, yeah. I haven't seen like a really good stand-up special in a long time. It's a yeah, it's a an interesting one. I'm I'm down for uh, a half an hour of disease. I don't even think I watched the last special. That I'd skip did. that one for sure. Yeah, yeah. But uh, no, I just you know, well, I check in. I really want to see another Master of None, which they're who knows if they're actually making. I, would, I don't even yeah. consider the. the the spin-off uh, a master of none season it's, i would say that's not going to happen especially yeah. considering how little fanfare season three got yeah did you yeah, see the new book of boba fett i did it was so it's the, i love how the best uh episode of the season is an episode of the mandalorian yeah they just bench boba fett fully and they give you yeah. an episode of, of mando which is fine like i feel two ways about it because on the one hand it's a relief to know that they still have their mojo. And yeah. then also it completely verifies my instincts about the other show. Like it, it reminds me that, oh no, like your tastes haven't changed. Book of Boba Fett's actually not that great. Right. 
yeah, it's actually just pretty bad. And uh, and Mandalorian is is awesome. Doesn't he kick ass? I like. I just loved it. I was so happy to be back with this guy. Also, they're doing they're doing way more favors as far as like the action and the the choreographing of like fight scenes and stuff go. It's just they're making it better when when the Mandalorian's involved. I feel yeah. like they maybe like like blew their budget budget on the Mandalorian episode. Totally. Oh yeah. Like I mean, this big like Halo city was yeah. remarkable or just like being up in space frankly like none of that it's all combat action in the sand in book of boba fett and yeah. that was another reason it was a breath of fresh air is just the departure from tatooine was a nice little break yeah it's true yeah tatooine needs to, like i loved being in like like the mandalore like spaceship oh yeah the old razor crest and and it's like very clear what like his codes are and like his his integrity level like he didn't have to say that he took off the the helmet but he was like yeah i did it they're like okay well cool you're banned well they're continuing his like journey away from extremism essentially and it's kind of a nice little uh refresher too because in may probably we'll get a new season of mando we won't need it recapped for us quite as much and like maybe that'll be about him going back to see Groku which seems to be like it seems like it's going to happen sooner than I would have predicted like he had a little bit of Beskar armor made for his little foundling yeah do you think it's uh, my thought was he he just made the little like ball that was on the the uh the gear shifter well no because it's for it is armor like they they, they say with the spear the the armorer says like Beskar is made it's better for armor than for weapons, um and he's like okay make armor but make it for a foundling a specific foundling and then they show her like forging some links like maybe she's making him chainmail, yeah maybe tiny little Grogu chainmail anyway it was really good, an absolute oh, pleasure. Yeah. Uh okay just a couple of of sad deaths I want to get this one out of the way Peter Robbins uh the voice actor who played charlie brown Did oh you hear yeah about that's that? horrifying. it's so so sad so he passed away um louis anderson i don't really have a I like a connection to louis anderson but people seem like kind of broken up i guess because he died relatively young yeah i think that's it and i think he was like people kind of thought him to be quite a sweetheart and very specific very unique yeah and do you have any thoughts on meatloaf passing away <laughs> I forgot about the meatloaf thing. It was meatloaf and Louis Anderson in the same day. Yeah. Um, that, mm, no, not really. I mean, like, I'm not really a huge meatloaf fan, really, in in any way. I remember it as like a child. Uh, I would do anything for love, or what's the actual title of that song? It's I would do anything for love. A parentheses, but I won't do that. But I won't do that. Yeah. That song was like the most played song on the radio forever yeah uh, and then that was pretty much the last i heard of meatloaf until he was in fight club and then yeah. he you know we would play it on q104 like paradise by the dashboard light and some a couple other you know meatloaf songs but no, I have. I, I do not have a, a connection to to Meatloaf in the least. I'm not exactly a Meatloaf fan. I am, I think, a Jim Steinman fan though. And like, the, here's here's the silent hero behind. 
basically all of Meatloaf's success. Like he he once oh. had this like terrific voice, but like he didn't write a single word or note in his career, as far as I know. Steinman from like the like mid eighties to the mid nineties was an absolute legend yes and not just for uh for meatloaf but like he wrote no, like celine dion well celine dion for sure and by the way i have like a, a there's a great story about that song where he wrote it's all coming back to me now this was between battle to hells two and three and there was like some talk about doing a three although i think it wasn't coming together very well and ultimately it didn't come together very well um yeah. but in the meantime, he wrote It's All Coming Back to Me Now with the intention for it to be sung by a female vocalist. And so I think he was probably pursuing Celine or maybe Celine was pursuing the song. And Meatloaf heard the song and got really jealous. And he's like, that song's mine. I want to sing that song. And Steinman yeah. was like, you're not singing this song. It's not a Bad Out of Hell song. It's for Celine. And so Meatloaf threatened to sue Jim Steinman, who was like his longest uh, collaborator and basically gave him everything. And so yeah. in the end, Steinman was like, okay, fine. You can sing it on Bad Out of Hell 3. And it's not as good as the Celine version. Um, but he also wrote for Bonnie Tyler. He wrote uh, Holding Out for a Hero. He wrote total eclipse of the heart which when you know that it suddenly yeah. becomes obvious he wrote um making love out of nothing at all the air supply song yeah and when you list all these songs you're like oh jim steinman was a very specific creative genius totally like a like a, a kind of a dark broody ballad writer when, operatic like, balladeer yeah like orchestral like lot of lot of things happening in those in those songs i think battle to hell be made today could like, not be made today conceptually battle to hell was supposed to be a steampunk peter pan that was the idea about this guy who won't grow up but he also lives in like a like a post-apocalyptic world with dragons and shit that's so insane yeah it is did was, you was, did you get to from, go ahead i was gonna say it was just like from a time where lyrics could be hilarious like now you can never have like uh like the lyrics are just so much more obvious in like a, a top 40 song like even like i'm trying to think of a line from i would do anything for love but i won't do that that like just wouldn't be said in the song today it's it's well, like so over dramatic it is over dramatic i don't know if obvious is the charge that i would lay against jim Steinman lyrics like um, we're living in a powder keg and giving off sparks. Like the the imagery is is way over the top and unnecessary, maybe, but yeah, not no, not I, obvious. I, no, no, I, I didn't. I didn't. If I said, I, I think I cut myself off. I meant like it. It it obviously couldn't be said today. Yeah, yeah. Like no, I I, I don't think it's obvious at all. I think it's like very. It's too far thought out. <laughs> Something I love is the baseball radio sequence in paradise by the dashboard light where it's just like it's a, a narrator like a like a commentator for a baseball game but everything he says is a sexual innuendo I, I actually think it's very clever oh my god i don't know whether to love or hate that song i get uh, it but I could, like i could sing the entire yep. song i could I too think I like that it's like three different songs in one yeah it has movements no I, like I, I get the instinct to both love and hate it yeah yeah Maybe maybe from now on I'll start singing it aloud. People talk about uh, two out of three ain't bad, and I don't know that song at all. You don't know. Uh, I want you, I need you, but there ain't no way that I'm ever gonna love you. 
No. Now I do don't not like feel it. bad, cause two out of three ain't bad. It's not great. It's Battle to Hell Two, I think. Gotcha. Yeah, a coworker said that like every every Christmas when the family gets together, they like belt out a, a version of <laughs> two out of three ain't bad. What like, a tradition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's it's another song. You it actually fits your description because it's it's so weirdly specific and it's kind of cinematic. Like it's painting this like way overwrought story about a breakup. But yeah, I don't know. They're earworms, obviously. Totally. totally. Did you listen to uh, Peter Dinklage on on Marin? I did. Now you mentioned something about like the shade that he threw. I'm not sure. Maybe I was like listening too intently for it, and I I like had a built up expectation. What exactly did you mean by that? So I think it's being made into more than it was, but it's becoming this big discussion at Disney because they're they're discussing like what is okay or like what is, I mean, they're kind of in not using the term talking about virtue signaling as it exists in popular culture. But he says like, it's one thing and I guess it's admirable that they want to do a remount of Snow White where Snow White is Latina. He's like, okay, fine. But you're also making a movie about seven dwarves who live in the woods with each other, like little weirdos. And like, yeah. And it really is quite impactful coming from Peter Dinklage. Yeah. Yeah. He says like, you're missing the mark. And it's notable that he and Marin are both using the word dwarf in like a clinical sense to uh, describe him as well. And I never really know exactly uh where we are on the terminology and that's mm-hmm. on me um but i don't think that he was doing anything more i don't think he was talking shit i think he was just saying i think he was giving an example about how everything has two sides um, yeah. and it was interesting coming from him but all of the headlines are about how peter dinklage is like really holding Disney's feet to the fire. And I don't think that's the case. Although Disney did come back with a statement about how they endeavor to be as uh, respectful of all minority groups as possible when they are making this and other movies. And that uh, I heard somebody say on a podcast, it matters uh, what the context of, of, of their depiction of dwarves is too, because like, like a Tolkienian dwarf is not, like from the race of men and i'm talking about like in middle earth right it's like it's just it's a different species it's not in 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 the case of all snow white interpretations i don't think or maybe it is and so i don't know i'm a little uncomfortable talking about it because i don't want to say the wrong thing but i i i I, I get his point and 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 i'm i'm happy you cleared that up for me because that was something where it definitely like piqued my interest i was like oh yeah like wouldn't wouldn't have thought about it like that but like obviously it's it's um you know it's a little more in the face of like you know he's probably had to live his whole life hearing about the seven dwarves and and obviously that depiction he's like that would be something that that bothered him so no i didn't think that that would get blown up that huge i guess maybe slow news week but um, it well except it's not a slow news week although they they do seem to be getting mileage out of this interview because the other thing was he was like a little impolitic in talking about HBO and he can say whatever he wants, but he diplomatically was like, look, I think House of Dragon is going to be good, but I don't, he, he didn't say he doesn't think they should do it, but he kind of did. He said that they should, ha- they should not do spinoffs basically like yeah, get a new like, idea. 
he was kind of like make new things. Like it was, yeah, that, that was, that was a little juicy too. When he, he said that, uh, you know, it was like risky when they started game of Thrones. Right. Now how it works. So it's, it's, but he's like, it's also going to be awesome. So, but I think his point was like, it's, you're not making art when you make a spinoff, you're making commerce. Like, you know, it's, and maybe it yeah. will be fun, but like, we know it's going to work. And so like, you're not, you're not daring to be artful. Whereas in game of Thrones, like it's unusual that like a fantasy show like that, would hit the mainstream on HBO quite like it did. Not just unusual, it's unprecedented. He also said something that I audibly disagreed with. Like I, I said it out loud while I was listening to it. Okay. He said uh, people didn't like the end of Game of Thrones because they weren't ready to like part with Game of Thrones. Oh yeah. I was like, I, nope, no. nope, that's not it at all. No, I'm with you. I, 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 I also, and I have a different opinion about the end of Game of Thrones, but I'm also... Like I wasn't as invested as most people. And I, I thought for sure that was going to pop up because I, that's, he has just recalibrated the narrative for his own sake, I think. But like, you cannot psychoanalyze a hundred million fans of a TV show who are allowed to be disappointed with the way a story went. Totally. I I love that Marin started everything by by saying, yeah, you know, I, I was, I was trying to trying to watch Game of Thrones last night, but I, I just couldn't get through it. <laughs> like, yeah, I, <laughs> seven seasons of like hour long episodes. You're not going to be able to get through that in 24 hours. No, but I also guarantee that Mark didn't try that hard because he doesn't even oh. seem to get that it's not a show about like fantasy. Because he said that later. He's like, I just don't like fantasy. And Dinklage says pretty accurately, like, it's not really about that. It's about people talking in rooms, which is yeah. sort of true. It's certainly how you were able to amass such a mainstream following for that show. Although, yes, there are also dragons and sword fights. Yeah. Yeah, it had something for everyone. How's the the Wi-Fi quality holding up? It's great. Okay. Not an issue at all. That's a huge relief. Good call on turning off my camera. You don't want to see me anyway. I have um, enough. I, I've, if there's one point of pride I have, I've, I've got enough Zoom calls under my belt now to to know the fixes. And I kind of feel ashamed that I didn't bring that up like as soon as you were like, hey, the video is really bad. No, well, that's uh, I mean, I still feel entitled to better uh, Internet service than I'm apparently getting and paying for. I'll I'll mm-hmm. cross that bridge tomorrow morning, perhaps. But as long as we're able to do the podcast, they yeah. are going to do an Aristocats live action movie. Um we can just zoom right past that if you want. The Aristocats is like the worst Disney movie. Oh, we disagree. Oh, okay. No, no. Aristocats is good. And also, <laughs> they're... Is this where your love of cats came from? <laughs> I don't know where that comes from. That's deep inside. Oh. <laughs> um, no, Aristocats is good. It's You're right. It's not like from the, the A-team. But right. I think it's better than Lady and the Tramp, for example. Okay. Yeah, I, I honestly don't remember many of them, but like Aristocats is one that I remember being like, yeah, it could could blow right past this one. I mean, the whole thing is just a pun, right? The whole thing is just built around a pun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We didn't talk about this last week, um, but it, it was a couple of weeks ago that they announced this. Weird Al is writing a biopic to be produced by Funny or Die, and it's basically like a comedy movie about young Weird Al, and Daniel Radcliffe is going to play him. Yeah, I love that. That's quite I, something. I hope- I hope that it actually is something, not just like a like a kind of flash in the pan thing. Like I hope it gets released and I hope like everyone sees it. Man, this is not Weird Al's first movie. In the 80s, he had this very offbeat comedy called UHF where he 
doesn't play himself per se, but he plays a version of himself, um, like running a small AM TV station. And Michael Richards is in that movie. It's nuts. UHS. It's supposed to be crazy. Have you seen it? Oh, yeah. I haven't seen it, but it's got like cult like status. Like people who have seen it love it. They they quote uh, people of a certain age, maybe like forty and up. Like, no, I've know. seen it. I've seen it a bunch of times because when I was like twelve, I was the world's biggest Weird Al fan. Um, I loved Weird Al so much, and probably a lot of those songs are still in me. And in fact, I think the first time I heard a lot of songs, I heard the Weird Al version first. Um, and so. I had that movie on DVD and I watched it because I liked Weird Al. I don't think I appreciated it. I think I thought I liked it. And probably if I watched it now, I'd be like, geez, that was racy. Or like, I, I don't, I think I probably missed the window to appreciate it with my fully formed brain. I haven't seen it in years, but I have seen it a bunch of times. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, I should try to, I think it might be hard to find. Yes, I think probably. Although I have a DVD somewhere. Oh, nice. Yeah. I um. Yeah, I, I just wanted to, to circle back there because um, the Food album was actually the first cassette I ever owned for my Walkman. Oh, right on. What's on the Food album now? I mean, obviously, like, oh. Eat It. Yeah, the Food album has some great ones. Uh, eat It. Um, it has a Spam is the place where I live. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, it has My Bologna. Sure. And uh, what else is on there? He's fat. He's fat. He's fat. Yeah, I, I think I think Michael Jackson might be the only artist he like double dipped on. And those yeah. were two of his biggest hits. Weird Al. Yeah, he picked the right time for it. Definitely. Um, and I saw. Did you have you seen Weird Al live before? No, I he came to the casino like like five or six years ago, and I should have gone. Cause I would have enjoyed myself a lot. And there's, it was, it was probably like 60 bucks to go. There is no good excuse for me not to have done that for childhood me. And I didn't. I, I regret not going to that too, but I did end up seeing him at Bonnaroo. So that made me happy. Oh, nice. And, and is he like really, he's really theatrical, right? Like a lot of costume changes. Cause all of his big singles have like some kind of visual component to them. A lot of costume changes and also a lot of like, uh, like short, videos happening in the back like multimedia like while he's doing these costume changes it's almost like fake interviews with him like editing out parts and it's yeah it's funny i think my way into weird al was his star wars parodies because I, I loved star wars even when i was like a little kid and i think i heard him do either the phantom menace song or yoda which is lola by the kinks and yeah. I, I think that was probably the first time I ever heard any kind of parody. And I was like, that, that had to be mind melting for me at like nine years old. Like I had no idea you could do this. This changes everything. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's like when you hear like the jerky boys or something do do prank calls or, or parody songs or something from like downloaded uh, on Kazaa or LimeWire. You're like, oh man, these guys are. Well, and it got so that because that was the Kazaa era for me. It got so that anybody who put out a parody, it would have the Weird Al name on it. And so, like, if you looked up Weird Al on Kazaa or LimeWire, half the songs were not his, but they had his name on them. Yeah. Yeah, it started to happen a little bit with Tenacious D, too. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, those are kind of spiritual siblings, Tenacious D and Weird Al. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's talk about shows. Okay. Oh, uh, also finished uh, Ozark, what's been released. Oh, 
just started watching tonight because the guys on the watch said it was good. That show Vigil, it's a BBC show. Maybe we can do, no, we shouldn't do it next week because I think there are two shows out. There's a bunch of shows coming out. We got, um, we got the search party. Is that what it's called? The after party. The after party. I'm always going to call it search party. Um, we've, well, we've got the woman in the house across the street from the girl in the window, the new Kristen Bell show that comes out on Friday. Right. Is that supposed to be funny or is that? I think so. But it, like, I think it's like a spoof of rear window type thrillers. And I think right. it, I think it might get kind of bloody at times because I watched the trailer. But also, yes, it's supposed to be a lampoon of that kind of style. Nice. Tongue in cheek. Uh, and, and what was the other show? But those two are for sure up for oh, next week. Oh, Pam and Tommy is also going to be up by next week, next week's podcast. Oh, man, we got a good week. And yeah. then just after that, we'll have that Murderville show. Yeah, so we're setting ourselves up for, for a good season. Plus, Becky's been watching some new show on Netflix. It's about a guy who, like, restores old videotapes or something. Oh, yeah, so we watched the first episode of that, like, uh, Archive 81. Yeah, she likes it. She says it's good. It seems cool. Yeah. It seems cool. We, we haven't went back to it after watching the first episode because Jen was little too scared <laughs> is ozark holding up because i quit on that after season two i mean if you asked jen she would say it's not okay and if you asked me i would say it's ozark sure so it's like yeah i don't know if that really turns your crap people will be like oh ozark's the best like it's it is what it is it, it's it's not incredible but it's not the worst show on TV. Oh, I, I didn't think it was the worst show on TV. I just had to get away because I couldn't stand the suspense of any moment someone get, might get their head blown off. It was just yeah, it was upsetting. There's definitely that. But it's also one of those things where like, you know, those shows where like, okay, the kids are just annoying me too much. That's starting to happen a little bit. Yeah, what are they doing with the son? Because even early on, they were like kind of establishing him to be like the early makings of a serial killer. Yeah, so so that's yeah the serial killer thing is is not uh, I forget why the, how they framed it that way but no he's actually like more into the money laundering business but actually working oh. as like a competitor at this point. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's it was a long story. The show even early on was trying to follow the Breaking Bad model, and it's a good show. Like it has a lot of value, and people really get something out of it, and so that's fine. I like Bateman, but it was never going to be Breaking Bad. The, the best part about it is they they really have been kind of subverting the fact that like it's not it's not Jason ba like Jason Bateman re remains the like cool calm head in the middle of everything who's yeah. like clearly the the ringleader but everyone else is spinning out of control and that's kind of been the thing to to watch like how where in in Breaking Bad Walt slowly came undone. In Ozark, everyone around Jason Bateman's character is coming at that. Yeah, he said something interesting about knowing his place in movies, whether it's a drama or a comedy. He's uh, in a drama. He's not the guy chasing. He's the guy getting chased. And in a comedy, he's not the guy farting. He's the guy getting farted on. And that's what <laughs> yeah. that's what he said. And I was like, yeah, that's exactly what Jason Bateman is. Totally. I love I love that he knows his he knows his role and he's like perfecting it. That's very important in in success, I think. And he has had like an incredible fifteen years. Yeah, yeah. He's he does a whole lot of like yeah. Well, uh, well, but I'm 
I'm not sure that's what we should be doing right now. You got to slip like, in a bud. He calls people bud a lot. Maybe that's yeah, just maybe yeah. that's just Arrested Development, Jason Bateman. I think so. For all maybe, I maybe, for yeah. all I say about celebrities having too many podcasts, um, or too many celebrities having podcasts, their podcast is a cut above just because they're so effing funny. Oh my god! Anytime they make fun of Sean for yeah. his dad leaving is. <laughs> no. It's so offside and so funny, and clearly he finds it so funny too. Be like, so was he in like third or fourth gear while he was yelling that <laughs> And Arnett is the best. It's I can't believe how quick he is. He is really good. Yeah, I am going to recap the first episode of This Way Up, which I watched about an hour ago. Um, oh. I will put myself on the clock because uh, I'm not on camera. Right, but you count count me down. Okay, you're going to recap this way up in three, two, one. Anya just got out of uh, some kind of like therapy, like high intensity counseling uh, camp after suffering a nervous breakdown. And she, I guess, is living with her sister. Um, the sister is going out on like social occasions. And at one point, uh, Anya is at home alone and she has a panic attack and she ha gave away her skirt. And so she calls her friend from the the counseling thing and she tries to hook up with him but he's like no that's a bad idea Ooh, i kind of fell apart in there um did i miss anything critical i just didn't really know what to call anything like she was at she was not at she was not at therapy that's not right she was at a facility for people who have undergone some kind of uh traumatic thing yeah it was it was essentially a rehab facility yeah but she had no drug problems and no. I think the people that were there did, but yeah. yeah, I think it was a, maybe it was, maybe it was addiction in general. Is she a love and sex addict? Was that kind of implied? No, I don't think so. Just that she had a nervous breakdown. I think just that. Yeah. Like she was really kind of coming apart. And she obviously combats a lot of her anxieties with being very silly and wry yeah. Which, by the way, totally lands. And this is Ashling B, who we talked about recently because she was the mom in Home Sweet Home Alone. Although all of us at this point like recognize her from things. And she was in that show with Paul Rudd, Living With Yourself. I actually find her super, super, super funny and cool. I'm like a big yeah. fan of hers, I guess. I like her on like panel shows and stuff. Oh um, my God, she's hilarious on Comedy Bang Bang. Yeah, I bet she would be perfect on Comedy Bang Bang. And she's perfect. really funny in this and very charming. The show has a flea bag quality to it. Does that make sense? Yeah, a little bit. And Sharon Horgan's kind of the same way. Like she was she was in catastrophe. And right. Was phenomenal in that. And so I think it's I think they're just friends in, in real life and got together to uh to make the show. And I think I think she said it kind of like came from like depression and anxiety during the pandemic that she just wanted to kind of turn into a show. I think it's been quite effective for her. Has it been on for a couple of seasons though? I think it's just been on for one season. Oh, okay. Because there, when she was starting to have the anxiety episode in the bathroom, it seemed familiar to me. Like maybe I had seen it in like a talk show clip or something. And oh, by the way, I am fascinated by panic attack acting. You see it every yeah. now and then. And like, I, I just can't imagine where they decide to begin when they want to approach that kind of performance because it's such a specific thing to to experience in real life. 
And it's just, it's very brief, um, but she kind of crumbles to the floor and it's like very visceral and real on her face. And I found it quite affecting. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, she was really good in it and very funny too. Like so when funny. She's, when she's doing the thing in the, in the bathroom with the toothbrush. Also, she's an ESL teacher and she has this thing in her class where she lets them watch Keeping Up with the Kardashians on Fridays. And then yeah. she asks them questions like based on like the words that they're learning. And that yeah. whole scene where she's just she's just being hilarious in that scene. But they ma they make it really seem at the hospital like she was like despondent, like she wouldn't even like she couldn't even stay awake. Couldn't open her eyes. Yeah. Have a conversation. Yeah. And does it have something to do with the relationship? Because like when the sister goes out on this double date, there's another guy on this double date and she's not nice to him. And I wondered if there's like a sister connection there. Yeah, that there is. Okay. That, that, that I missed a detail like, maybe. That was her like ex boyfriend. And she, she was like, she talks to her, Sharon Horgan talks to her boyfriend and goes like, do not mention this to uh, Anya. Anya. Okay. Cause she like felt guilty even being around him, I guess. Um, he was the, the blonde guy that the ex-boyfriend, he was the, the guy in that show. You're the worst. Oh, um, with, uh, I don't, I don't remember her name, but she's like a comedian. She was in the second season of the boys, I think. Anyway. Okay. Also, I think Tobias Menzies is going to be in this show at some point. And I really like him, but he doesn't turn up. Maybe he's going to be like the handsome guy who she gets involved with. That would be nice. I don't know if I know who, who Tobias is. We've talked about him in the past because he plays Prince Philip in seasons three and four of The Crown. And yeah. in that performance in particular, I'm enamored by him. But also he's been around a bit. Yeah, he's been in Game of Thrones. Yes, he would be in Game of Thrones. Good actor. Last he time we last time we talked about one of those shows that's like kind of about a hot mess. It was Nora from Queens, which didn't really connect with me. Um, no. But like sometimes these are the best shows on TV, whether it's um, I May Destroy You or Fleabag or girls going back to season one in a certain way. And then like on the on the one hand, it feels like these shows are a dime a dozen, but also it's clearly a rich format for really brilliant, funny people to do something that actually feels not stale at all and this right. is an example of that because like we've seen a lot of shows about somebody who is like clearly lonely and sad and they mask it by being funny and their dating life is kind of in shambles and look they're having white wine but like yeah. this was not a cliche it was an absolute joy and i give it my s nice yeah i give it my s too good i don't have a whole lot more to say about it though no, I don't think there is there is a whole lot. I think we'd have to like keep up with it in order, which I'm not sure if I'm going to. But well, it's hard to find, and that's my only criticism of it is I really struggled to like get a hold of this. Yeah, it was airing on W, and uh, I was able to find it through like a, a W cert, like just doing a search on on Bell, and it, it popped up. So it, I was it really bothers me when I can't find something and I'm willing to sp spend two ninety nine to watch it just for the sake of the show show, and I still can't find it for yeah. $3. Like, do you yeah. want my money or not? Right. I know. Hey, you know, okay, real quick aside before we jump into the next show, you know what, what movie I started watching yesterday? And I'm not sure if you've seen this movie. Tell me. Jack Reacher? I have not. It is bad. Really? Like it is, it, it's it's one of those movies you you assume is going to be like, oh, it's, it'll probably be cool. It'll be like, I don't know, kind of like a Tom Clancy-esque, like 
It's James I Patterson, not, actually. Yeah. It's it's Lee Child, I think. Oh, excuse me. It is Lee Child. Yes. So, um, so you start watching it. And can I take you through a scene? Alex Cross is James Patterson, I think. All these like uh, dime store paperback guys have a action thriller hero. Um, yeah. Jack Reacher. Yeah. Tell me what it is. I know that okay, I know so that he's supposed to be like a big lad in the books, and so that he, they cast Tom Cruise like to purists of the franchise, they find it absurd. Oh, that's hilarious! Yeah. So he's like, he's a he's a army investigator who's like notoriously hard to find. He's been off grid, and then he like shows up back in town for a specific reason. But he's at a bar, and this this girl comes and sits down, and she's like, "Hey." I'm Sandy. And his line is, I was too on a beach last week. What? Yes. What? <laughs> and then she says something like, like something about like going back to, to her place. And he makes some inference that she's uh, like uh, a hooker. And then basically starts like slut shaming her. And then, her brothers come to like save her and he he's like basically like i'm gonna fight you all and she says something like oh it's okay i don't mind a little blood and he goes at least we know you're not pregnant what the hell <laughs> i was like jen and i were like what is happening how is this a movie he doesn't sound very likable does he no I'm like, I don't know if he redeems himself, but, and like Rosamund Pike is in it, but like, you can tell that this is just not going to be good. Like he convinces her to go see all this. She's supposed to be defending a sniper and she convinces him or he convinces her to go to all of the victims families first before like defending the sniper. And she like does a recap to him. And it's like, <laughs> it's a, it's such a crazy journey through like all of these. She's like, Victim number one, uh, Andrea Lawrence. She and like takes like like a, an origin story to how they got to where they were when they were all like shot by a sniper. Yeah. Anyways, very cheesy. I do not give it my ass, but I, <laughs> I kind of do want to keep watching it. Just to, we watched like the first thirty minutes last night. It was ridiculous. Is the action at least good? There's not, there hasn't been a lot of action yet. It starts oh. with a, a scene where a guy snipes like 10 people. And then uh, after that, there's that one fight scene with Tom Cruise and the like five brothers outside the bar. Right. And I he, think like, I've seen that in like a talk show clip. Like I kind of thought that it was an ass kicking show or movie. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that part's certainly an ass kicking show, uh, an ass kicking part. And maybe there's more in it, but again, we're, we're maybe like 25 to 35 minutes into the show. Into Is that. Kobe Smulders in that too? Not to my knowledge. She's in something with, with Cruz and I thought it was Jack Reacher, but I don't care that much. Yeah. Maybe she, maybe she enters at some point. It's still pretty early in the stage. So. Okay. Why don't you put yourself in the clock and recap the first episode of South side? Yes. This is another show that I had never even heard of. It was not even on my radar until you brought it up. And it has been out for a couple of years. It has been out for a couple of years. The second season is that now, too. Yeah. Um, I don't okay. even know anyone involved in this show. Like, there's no familiar... Fa I guess Lil Rel at, at some point was in it. But, like, not prominently. Everyone else, totally new face for me. Totally. Um, 
Yeah. Do you remember the main characters' names? Simon is the main main guy. Simon. Okay, I think that's probably all I need. I think I yeah, I think that's all you need. Okay. Okay, so Simon is uh essentially he just graduated um but he he gets called in by the police because he hasn't been paying child support. He says he has been paying child support, it's just been in cash and he th- th- didn't know there had to be a paper trail. His uh he has to go back and work for his like same rent to own boss. And he's trying to assert his toughness by uh, uh, saying that he can go and uh, and get an Xbox back from a crazy guy. Uh, and, and he essentially goes there. I'm, I'm over time right now, but he essentially goes there and ends up uh, bonding over NBA 2K. And they he doesn't end up taking the, uh, the Xbox. And this was after he had like, there was a series of bribes to the cops which oh yeah the the cop is also from the cop's great uh and she's also from the south side so she's like you know what it is like you gotta pay me in order to get get stuff done well they Uh, they work for a company called rent to own which basically is like you you pay in installments essentially and so but they have everything and so like this guy has rent to own an xbox but if you don't pay your bills uh it gets repoed and i thought like being a repo person in real life must be the worst job because you must deal with so much drama, like knocking on doors yeah. and asking for stuff back, like, or, or or you get like threatened, like in in a very real sense, like he, you feel at one point like he's in physical danger because this neighborhood tough guy is like clearly intimidating him. And you're right, eventually they end up playing 2K and it's it's like they're gonna get along. But I don't know. I have to think that people who like go to get your couch back because you you owe on back payments or whatever i gotta think those people get socked in the mouth now and then oh for sure yeah repo men i think have to be like big jack dudes yeah um what i'll say about the show is i expected going into it to be something that i actually wasn't really going to like and something that i was like kind of thought i had the formula for it and it ended up being a very pleasant surprise for me it was pretty funny i I thought of another character name that we we didn't mention. Uh, Big Homie Do Twice. He do everything twice. <laughs> he just nods twice. That's my favorite thing in the show. <laughs> I, I think that that was a, like a big point of strength for the whole show is there are so many characters. Yeah. That that your your like attention was kind of always moving. Like his lawyer, I found hilarious. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Listen to me. Listen to me. <laughs> you probably gonna want to take that deal. <laughs> I thought it, I thought it was really good for that reason too, and and they pretty effectively establish a lot in the pilot episode. That's my only criticism of it is that it felt very piloty. But yeah, you know, so should it because it was it was not like it was bad, and it was a little frantic at first. I thought I thought the second half was a lot better. I liked yeah. when he when he goes to the Xbox house and like that whole second half with the police officer was really good. But the first half in the courtroom and with the child support and all and like at the restaurant i was like i can't keep track of all this and we're flashing around a whole lot i don't know what the tone is supposed to be and so for me it was a half win gotcha gotcha it got there kind of in the end it just didn't have enough heart at the beginning i think like we're talking about child support a lot and like working a shitty job and I couldn't figure out where the sadness was. And I know I shouldn't be looking for that in a show that's clearly meant to be funny, but like you kind of need a little bit of heart if you're going to create characters like this and you do discover it in the end. You you do find it because uh, yeah. you see that he's very aspirational 
And that's the other yeah. thing is that the guy, while he's kind of like also a bit of a hot mess, he's much like um, Ashling B, so lovable. Yes. Yeah, it was like um, the, uh, the the job interview I also really loved. Yeah, remind me. So he like gets behind, he, he was like, how many words can you type in a minute? He's like, <laughs> seven. And he's like, let me get behind here and just start typing. He's like, oh my God, you're typing. Like <laughs> you're typing <laughs> while you're speaking. You're typing out the things you're saying to me. And he's like, so <laughs> impressed. I just love that it went there, not like, Oh, you're not impressive at all, kind of thing. Uh, but he does get fired because he, uh, yeah, there was a lot to cover in that recap. He it does was. get fired because he's got a criminal record. Does this show move the needle at all? Because I haven't heard of it at all. Is anybody, is, does it have like a cult following? Yeah, I think if you look up like reviews, there are like Rolling Stone like articles being like, this is why Southside is like the best show you're not watching, kind of thing. Side note, I think Abbott Elementary is very quickly gaining a pretty big following a lot of scene was i telling you that i watched the second episode and it just like wasn't quite there for me you did like, say that yeah but i don't know that's i think the first episode was strong enough that i i would give it five or six before i would say it's not yeah. for me yeah yeah totally and i'm uh I, I i will i'll i'll watch more of that for sure and i don't really have a, a like a comedy i've watched a couple of uh son of a critches now it's it's cute it's um I kind of, I think my biggest hang up is the accents. I don't buy anybody's accent, like except for yeah. the ancillary characters, like the main kid. I'm not sure where he's from, but I don't really buy it. Malcolm McDowell is just doing a British accent and that doesn't seem right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think he might just be British in it. Yeah. But that's a mistake because it's so decisively about Newfoundland. Like he yeah, should be like a guy who like once wore big rubber trousers. Right. Yeah, unless he was like, he emigrated there. I guess, and maybe that's, if they're like doing a very literal depiction of, of Mark's family, that might be, in fact, yeah. the case. Um, it's it's cute. It's very watchable, but I don't know. I, I think that they probably got Malcolm McDowell in that show on the basis of Schitt's Creek's success. And I think the biggest difference between Schitt's Creek and Son of a Critch is that Schitt's Creek is, while great, a little embarrassed to be Canadian. Like they really hide it. And right. this show is, the premise is, he's a kid in Newfoundland. Yeah. Yeah, the whole show is supposed to be about That's going to hold it back from American success. Yeah, you're you're probably right. Americans don't think about Newfoundland. Southside, uh, you know, it wasn't my favorite pilot ever, but I do see where it's like very quickly building something that's very self-aware. And obviously it had some laughs in it. So it wasn't my favorite of the two shows we watched this week, but I, I give them both my ass. Nice. A double S from Sweets. This is a rare occurrence <laughs> in these trouble times. Especially since I started out this episode so cranky. <laughs> I thought you were going to take your S away. <laughs> I, well, this week doesn't get my S. I'll put it like that. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I think Southside gets my S. Cool. All S's for a double S show. Wow. That's great. That's really yeah. good. Well, the only uh, Will Smith news I have uh, is actually not his doing at all. It's related to Kanye West. I guess... Kanye is angry with Kim because North has a TikTok, which okay. like you married Kim Kardashian. You had to know that by the time your daughter was three, she's going to have a TikTok. Yeah. Uh, and in particular, he's mad that North wears lipstick on the TikTok. And so like oh. all of this just sounds like such a dad. Like he's so mad that his like his daughter is wearing makeup on the Internet is like 
is the, actually not Kanye Westy at all. It's incredibly relatable. <laughs> Right, it's actually like, oh, he's being a father. And specifically what he says in the interview is, we're not trying to be a Will and Jada. And so he's basically saying like, we don't need to live out loud and like do it all in front of everybody. It's just so funny to me. First of all, that he throws shade at Will and Jada and Kim and like it's Kanye West. And so the idea of him like not wanting the spotlight is so hypocritical. <laughs> so crazy when he's married to, or when he his ex-wife is Kim Kardashian and he's saying, we're not Will and Jada. Like you are the original, like not the original, but certainly like the, the A-list couple that is in the limelight. Well, and he's not innocent for being starved for attention either. It's not just that he married Kim Kardashian. And by the way, he's like a, a paper pusher behind the scenes. He's Kanye West. Oh. Yes, yes, 100%. <laughs> but I just love the, we're not trying to be a Will and Jada. I love the phrasing of that. <laughs> and I think the same could be said for the show show. No, exactly. We're not trying to be a Will and Jada. Well, that's my, that's my point is that this is Kanye's way of saying never trust Will Smith. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I agree with his sentiment. I agree with Kanye. Yeah, on one thing. <laughs> just On just this specific issue. <laughs> <laughs>